What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by Immaculate Sports. Twitter's at Immaculate Sports. Instagram, also at Immaculate Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 51. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, real, real quick before we get into it, make sure you go check out the TikTok, though. Uh, we've been posting some videos over the last week. We're going position by position in the MLB, ranking the top five players in at each position uh, a little bit of controversy for each position obviously so go check it out so give, leave a comment leave a like bucket follow the channel as well yeah so kyle who's your favorite 51 in sports favorite history? number 51 uh, 51 is a pretty they got a lot of options honestly mm-hmm. here it's a pretty good baseball number uh, you got the three legends, obviously, and Trevor Hoffman, Ichiro Suzuki, and Randy Johnson. Which one do I want to choose out of that? I think I'm going to go Ichiro. Even though he was in our division for a long time, Ichiro was always a very fun person to watch play. Yeah, well, the obvious pick here is uh, Jaguars legend Paul Pozlesny. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's got to be Trevor Hoffman, Mr. Hell's Bells, one of the greatest closers yeah. of all time. Yeah. Could have been the greatest closer of all time if uh, Mariano Rivera never existed. Yes. But Panama had to exist, and so Mariano <laughs> exists as well. Let's get into our openers. Mine is going to be the A's winning on Sunday Night Baseball. That was a fun game to watch. It seems like the A's have had that a big hit be elusive to them this whole season. It feels like it's never happened. I can name maybe one or two occasions where it did happen when Jed Lowry hit a walk-off home run against Emmanuel Class Day earlier in the year. And maybe Matt Olson's threw in home run in Houston to get one of the A's first ones on the season. But besides that, the big hit has been elusive. Basically, I mean, the big home run in general has been elusive for the A's this year. And uh, they got it on Sunday night with Tony Kemp hitting a two-run home run in the eighth seed of the A's. A 3-1 victory over the Yankees. Tony Kemp has five home runs on the season and three of them against the Yankees in just six games. So shout out to Tony and shout out to the A's for winning on Sunday Night Baseball for the first time in seven years. There you go. Well, uh, mine's going to be football, the last preseason game for the Jets. Uh, Jets were down eight with a minute to go. James Morgan throws a Hail Mary to Kenny Yaboa to get the tie. They got the two-point conversion, too. The sad thing about this is both players were cut today, James Morgan and Kenny Yaboa, uh, which is sad. Uh, some other notable guys cut josh adams the running back from notre dame um and ryan griffin a tight end who we gave an extension to a couple years ago uh which is sad and i guess i'm moving over into the jet report here uh Mm. we're gonna need a tight end and we're gonna need a safety other than that i'm excited to go into carolina we're gonna show them what's up oh going in carolina's fun for week one we did that last year josh Mm. jacobs he did a good job in that game. I think he had three touchdowns, and that leads me into my Raider report. Uh, last preseason game wasn't much for the Raiders. We played the Niners. Niners used their starters for a couple drives. The Raiders didn't even bring their starters. So we got steamrolled 34-10. to 10. Uh, Nathan Peterman, uh, did, usually he looks good in the preseason, but he did not look good in this game. I'm not sure what his exact numbers were because I didn't even look at them, but I was watching the game, and it just did not look fun on his part. Uh, but I believe there has to be some record with uh, the only only QB to throw a pass in preseason for the Raiders was Nathan Peterman. They didn't use Mariota. They didn't use Derek Carr. They didn't use uh, another quarterback that they had on the roster only for the first game. 
which I thought was really in- interesting. Raiders didn't play any of their starters pretty much the whole way throughout the preseason. And that leads us into the cuts that they made today in the past few days. I'm just going to give the notable names. Obviously, Keelan Doss is the first one. He was a hard knocks uh, star on the show because he was a hometown kid and uh, been on the practice squad the last few years. I assume the same thing is going to happen there. Isaiah Johnson, cornerback, fourth round pick last year in the 2020 draft, got cut. He's really only known for one play where he broke up a pass in uh, in L.A. against the Chargers to win the game. But besides that, he's been pretty dog shit his whole career. Uh, two rookie wide receivers, Dylan Stoner and DJ Turner, were guys that are undrafted free agents that thought they had a pretty good chance to make the team. But due to the veterans that the Raiders signed uh, in the offseason, it didn't make it possible. Uh, now, one of the players that were, were released, not just waived, uh, John Brown, probably the most notable one. Uh, pretty big uh, offseason acquisition for the Raiders uh, because he was a thousand yard receiver a couple years ago, fell off a little bit, played quite a bit in that last uh, preseason game against the Niners. So you kind of had a little bit of an idea that this was coming and it finally does happen after he grants or the Raiders grant his request for a release on Tuesday. Carl Joseph is uh, the other notable Joseph got drafted by the Raiders in the first round, like 2014, spent five years here, one year in Cleveland, came back in the offseason here. I was super pumped up about it. I think it was my opener, uh, maybe about a month or two back. Yeah. But now that he's gone, that doesn't happen anymore. So besides uh, so that, I got nothing else except for yeah. Raiders open up week one at home on Monday night versus the Ravens. I did actually forget a couple notables, probably the biggest things we did this week. Uh, the Jets trade for Shaq Lawson, give up a six-round pick. We uh, got a lot of holes on the D-line now. Uh, Vinny Curry with the blood disorder, he's out for the year, which is is terrible. And uh, we talked about uh, Carl Lawson the week before. So, yeah, and uh, tight end Chris Herndon, great rookie year, got hurt. Now is a fumbling machine. Traded to the Vikings for a fourth. So great job, Joe. Great job, Joe Douglas. On that yeah, one. kind of surprising you guys got a fourth for that, considering Herndon was pretty fucking bad. But uh, it was. I don't know. <laughs> Vikings might not be the smartest team right now. We'll see how that pans out for them with Irv Smith. Uh, they're starting tight end going down for a little bit to start the season. On to where's your head at? And the first thing that we're going to talk about is the Mets. The Mets. They've had a roller coaster in the last few days. Uh, going into today, things were not looking good. We obviously have heard about the hobby bias, thumbs down, that whole celebration, and how it goes against the fans, basically booing them uh, when they don't succeed. So the players are going to boo the fans when they do succeed. This was not fly, obviously, by uh, Sandy Alderson or whatever his name is, yeah. GM. And uh, so he called in a meeting, uh, said that the players aren't going to do this anymore. And then today happened, and going into the ninth, the Mets were down 5-1, to one, and this was just going to make it a whole lot worse. And then the Mets scored five in the bottom of the ninth and walked it off. Javi Baez, after all, came in to be the winning run in that game, and it wasn't just like, oh, he scored on a single from third or something like that. He scored on first, scored from first on a single, which is kind of crazy, a great slide to win the game. But we're talking about Javi in this uh, headline here. Obviously, we know he was traded in uh, the trade deadline. Is he going to come back to the Mets in the free agency? I think the Mets will give him an offer. They're going to undercut the crap out of him. And Javi's going to be pissed. 
But guess what, Kyle? No one else is going to be even close to that Mets offer, so he's going to have to take it and come back. Yeah, Javi's a really weird player in my mind because he is a star. He does a lot of things really, really well. He's a very flashy fielder. He's a very uh, good person to have as like a, a, a leader on your team because he cares so much. Javi's a very emotional player. He's been that way his whole career, but he is not a superstar as far as playing terms go. Uh, just over the league average in OPS. He has a lot of home runs, but he strikes out more than literally everybody in the whole league. And I really don't know where what team is just going to be like, yeah, let's offer this guy $200 million, or hey, let's offer this guy $150 million, besides the Mets. Because mm-hmm. the Mets do things like that. And Javi wants to play with his friend Francisco. So I think he will end up coming back to the Mets in the offseason. Uh, maybe... Looking at the teams right now, I don't even know what teams would want him. I mean, I don't think the Dodgers are a team. Dodgers obviously come into my mind for any big free agent, but obviously they're not a suitor here. I don't think... Unless they want him to play center field. Yeah, that's true. But he already said that he's not going to play any other position except for shortstop unless it's with Francisco Lindor on his team. Uh, maybe the Angels, because the Angels pay a lot for <laughs> some questionable people sometime. Uh, I know Detroit said that they wanted to be very active in free agency, but I definitely don't think that this is the right move. That's just digging yourself in a hole even deeper. Uh, I mean, their hole isn't that deep right now for Detroit. They've been playing well, uh, only eight games under 500. And they're AJ Hinch says they want, says that they want to establish a winning culture there, but How about redigging the hole that you just covered up. Exactly. There we <laughs> go. Uh, so in conclusion, me and Skyler both saying that Javi's going to be back with the Mets. <laughs> Next year, at least next year. Yeah. Now on to some minor league news, perhaps. Uh, Chris <laughs> Davis, KD, three-time, uh, not home run champion, but uh, 40 home run seasons. Four That's straight Chris years, with a three, K, 247. by the way, everybody. Yeah, KD. Uh, he's firing on all cylinders in AAA for the A's. Obviously, he's playing in Las Vegas, which is kind of like a, if you want to call it a Mickey Mouse stadium, uh, you can call that call it that, which basically means it's a lot easier to hit home runs in Vegas. I think it's a confidence booster place, honestly, unless you're a pitcher. Uh, but he's he has like nine home runs in the last 12 games for them. And all the A's fans reasonably so want him to be a September call-up tomorrow. How much do you think KD can help? Maybe not just as a player, but being in a clubhouse with the guys that love him so much. I think it's a great story. Obviously, the fans love KD. His teammates probably love him, too. I mean, we can't mm-hmm. be sure. We're not in the locker room. But, it seems pretty obvious, huh? But I, I think we're grasping at straws here, Kyle. I don't think he really has a chance to have that effect on, on this team. How so? How so? Uh, well, Performance-wise. I just, like yeah. you said, uh, I, I, wouldn't, I won't say Mickey Mouse uh, Stadium over in Vegas, but... <laughs> You know, it's like Katie's turning into a quad A player here. He's he can mash in triple A, but can he really identify pitching in the major leagues anymore? We don't know yet. If he does, great. I just I don't think he's got it anymore. Yeah, I feel like for a long time we thought it was the mental side for Katie that he just wasn't there anymore. As far as like uh, his drop off from 2019 to 2020, or not 2019 to 2020, 2018 to 2019 that big drop off. But I think it was obviously something physical now that we're starting to see it was, he, he had that hip injury 
in Houston uh, a few weeks back, or not a few, not hip injury in Pittsburgh a few years back. I don't know why I said Houston. And it, it kind of just affected him for a long, long time. We've seen hip injuries like for Matt Chapman. You're not able to fire uh, and swing the bat as hard as you used to until you're 100% healthy. And I don't think he ever fully healed from that. Maybe the time off before getting picked up by the A's gave him that time to heal completely. I don't know if that makes any sense, though, because he had a couple of off seasons to help him heal. But I think it's going to help him in the sense that having that familiar face in the dugout, the team leader, uh, is going to be something big for them, especially when they lost Marcus Semien last year. As far as playing wise, I don't think he's going to hit more than like maybe 220 yeah. or something like that. Maybe a couple home runs if we give him 45 at bats, but not too, too much from him as far as playing wise. Next up is Salvi, and he's been hitting home runs like it's nothing. He has mm-hmm. near nearly 40 homers. I think he's at 38 right now. He had five homers in five games. Uh, couple of those being grand slams against uh, Seattle over the weekend. And there's been a lot of Salvi, not top MVP talk because Shohei Otani kind of has that locked down. But there's been talk about Salvi being a top three MVP candidate in the AL. What do you think about that, Skyler? You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Uh, the only problem is, and I'm not taking anything away from him. He's mashing. He's doing it from the catcher position. That doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And I like him. The problem is there. there's just guys doing so much more. Uh, you know, Otani, uh, Guerrero, Devers, even Garrett Cole and Robbie Ray. Uh, it's hard if I was a voter to give him a first place vote over those guys. Or sorry, not a first. Okay, Otani's getting the first place vote. Sorry, a yeah, second obviously. or third place yeah. vote. There we go. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat there. I've seen, I mean, Salvi's having a historic catcher season, but I will kind of want to put an asterisk next to it because he's been playing at the DH a lot this year. I'm going to look up the numbers real quick as far as like how what positions he's been playing. Uh, 102 games at catcher, uh, which leaves about 35 at thir- at DH, but he's been playing just about every single day. And that alone is pretty, pretty crazy. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, you need a day off at some point, even if you're, DHing half the games. I'm getting the day off, but there's guys that are still doing it better than him. Uh, guys that I put ahead of him as far as MVP goes, I think I'd put Judge there. I think I could put Olsen there. And I, I want to say Cedric Mullins because even though the Orioles suck and they're fucking terrible, Cedric Mullins is having a season that nobody is talking about where he has a good chance to be 30 30 this year. And 30 30 seasons just don't, they don't happen. They don't happen that often. Mm-hmm. That's like Ronald Acuna, Shohei Otani, uh, Tatis, Mike Trout type season right Great there. Size so, man. yeah, true, true. Uh, but I got to say Cedric Mullins is my third in MVP voting uh, right now. So Salvi's, Salvi's near it, but he's not in that number three spot for me. Now, quickly, before we get to halftime, we're going to do our weekly award just as we do every single week. Skyler, get started with your player of the week. All right, I got co-players of the week. It's going to be the two Brewer starting pitchers. Brandon Woodruff, six innings, 10 Ks, no runs against Cincinnati. And Corbin Burns, six innings, one run, nine Ks against San Francisco. Both wins. Those guys are unstoppable right now. That's true. My player of the week is going to be somebody I just bashed on, and that's Salvador Perez. Uh, he had a great week, obviously. He had five home runs, uh, 13 RBIs, two of those I mean, eight of those RBIs coming from two grand slams. 
he walked three times in this week, which is kind of weird because Selby doesn't walk that much. Maybe there's a couple intentional walks, I'd assume so, just because Maynard didn't want to get killed by him too much. Mm. Uh, but a 381 batting average and a 1.5 OPS, which is absurd. Now on to Pitcher of the Week. Pitcher of the Week, uh, it's going to stay the same. <laughs> it's going to be Woodruff <laughs> and Burns winning both awards. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go Joe Musgrove for mine. He was absolutely dominant, had a complete game shutout, obviously nine innings, three runs, no runs, or three hits, no runs, two walks, nine strikeouts. He was dominant, and that was a big game for San Diego because they've been struggling heavy in this last month and a half. So pardon the voice crack there. But uh, it's all right. Joe Musgrove coming in big for the San Diego pods. On to rookie of the week. All right. My rookie of the week uh, should be no surprise here. It's Bobby Dahlbeck. He had 500, four homers, nine RBIs. But the important thing here is the seven ribby game against Minnesota last week. Crazy. Yeah, you got a curtain call. You don't see that too often. Uh, mm. But Bobby Dahlbeck is also my rookie of the week. It's hard to not put him there. Seven for 14, four home runs, nine RBIs, just like Skeller said. Uh, what a week for Bobby Dahlbeck, a guy that has a shit ton of power, we haven't seen it too much in his pro career so far, but I mean, if he gets going, this should be something scary for the Red Sox uh, down the stretch. Yeah. You ready for halftime? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Back at halftime here. <laughs> going to start off with some college football news. It was week zero for the college football season this weekend. Uh, not a lot of great games, but we got to talk about some of them. Uh, the first game of the year, Nebraska, Illinois, little Big Ten showdown, and it was mm-hmm. awful. Illinois won. Yeah. Scott Frost has, I think, the second worst winning percentage in Nebraska coaching history, Jeez. which is is not good. Uh, our boys at Fresno State uh, shut out UConn forty five to nothing. UCLA took down Hawaii forty four to ten. Zach Charbonnet, Alex's guy, former Michigan guy, transfer hundred yards and three touchdowns on six carries. That yes, on six carries <laughs> and. Some other boys we got to shout out. San Jose State, the Spartans, they destroyed Southern Utah 45-14. And they got an interesting game coming up, too, they do. this they week. Do. So now for week one, I want to talk about some some of the, the notable games here. Again, uh, we got Coastal Carolina starting off the season. They're, they're ranked 22nd, and they're going to be... They're going to be a big name this year. Everyone's going to watch them. They're starting off against the Citadel. Uh, everyone remembers the Citadel because they play Alabama usually every year. Uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, Ohio State, number fourth in the nation. A lot of guys gone, but they're starting on the road against Minnesota. Should be interesting. Uh, Penn State, ranked 19th, going at Wisconsin, number 12. Interesting to see their young quarterback, Graham Mertz, over in Wisconsin. See if he can have mm-hmm. a little comeback. Uh, number one, go. Bama. They got Bryce Young winning the starting job. They're at Miami. Uh, at the Chick-fil-A kickoff game in Atlanta. Uh, that's De'Aaron King for them. Should be exciting. And the last game I want to talk about here, number five, Georgia, at number three, Clemson. The Dukes, Mayo Classic. A lot of guys gone for both clubs. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to stop them this year, though. Exciting. And I'll get more into that game. Uh, DJ Lugalele. When we get there. All right. And, you know, speaking of the college football season, uh, it's never too early to talk about the draft. <laughs> and uh, this isn't my mock draft. This is this is from Walter Football, Charlie, uh, 
Campbell. And I just want to run through some of the picks. Charlie Hmm? Campbell. Yeah. So he's got how uh, accurate Charlie is. (laughs) Number one, the Texans sticking Spencer Rattler, quarterback from Oklahoma. Number two. I think that's bold. I want to say Sam Howell goes number one. Mm. Well, you're going to love this one then, Kyle. (laughs) Number two, the Lions are taking Adam Anderson, edge rusher from Georgia. Who the fuck is Adam Anderson? He is pretty much the guy Nolan Smith was supposed to be. Oh. Yeah. Nolan Smith. Wow. Where's mm-hmm. Nolan Smith at right now? He's still there in Georgia. Oh, yeah. He, he's this class, though, right? Yeah. Is he in this draft? Uh, well, if he declares, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Number three, Philadelphia Eagles. Take Matt Coral, quarterback from Ole Miss. I love that one. Matt Coral's my guy this year. Number four, the Jets take Aiden Hutchinson, edge from Michigan. Mm. Another pick I really like. I feel like we're going to take Stingley. If we have a top five pick, we're going to take Derek Stingley. But That'd be smart. We'll see. Number five, Jacksonville gets Justin Ross, uh, Trevor Lawrence's best friend. <laughs> that That'd be interesting. seems to make sense. Number six, I think this guy is the number one player in this class, Kayvon Thibodeau, edge from Oregon. Where is he going in, the, in that? Uh, six to the Falcons. It's the Falcons, okay. Yeah. Number seven, the Panthers. This is just a match made in heaven. Kyle Hamilton, safety from Notre Dame. Uh, it's the next uh, Jamal Adams type safety to come out. Oh, okay. Should be interesting. Number eight, the Bengals take Derek Stingley, corner from LSU. Uh, the way he drops that far. Yeah. I know. Uh, nine, Broncos take Brandon Smith, edge from Penn State. I think he'll play more of a Anthony Barr type. Okay. Game. And then number 10, the Chargers take Tariq Castro-Fields, defensive back from Penn State. Don't know who that is. I'm sorry. I should do some more <laughs> research. And I want to tell you the Raiders pick. It's going to be Perrion Winfrey at 16, uh, the big big man, D-tackle from Oklahoma. Oh, um, okay. I he mean. Gets comparisons to Gerald McCoy, so that makes sense, right? Yeah, Geraldini. Uh, it's something interesting, though. Even if you don't know those guys, like, uh, I mean, I know Stingley. I know a couple of the quarterbacks. Yeah. But besides that, I don't know too much of those guys. Uh, so now I got something to watch for in week one of college football this week. Yes, sir. All right. And uh, some NFL stuff. You probably know about this big hurricane going on in the south, east, southwest again. And uh, New Orleans got wrecked once again, which it, yeah. it sucks. And mm-hmm. the Saints don't really have a home right now. Right now they at least for September. Yes. Uh, for, they should be September. back in, in October at the latest, but mm-hmm. through September they're they're gonna be gone. I don't think they've announced where they're actually gonna play their games uh-huh. yet, but as of right now they are practicing in Dallas. Yeah. I didn't they just have a a preseason game there or something though. So that kind of makes did. sense. They did. So and you uh, know when uh I forgot what the one in 2006 I should Katrina. Sorry. Katrina. When Katrina happened, they went to San Antonio. So this makes sense. I'm curious where they are going to play though, because, and are there going to be fans in that game or like, what are they going to do with that for tickets wise? Should be interesting to see for home games. Uh, I don't know if they're going to play in Dallas. I feel like AT&T stadium Cowboys aren't there. Then some big other thing is going to go well, you on. know utsa san antonio they got a new stadium a couple years ago that that makes sense you know yeah i mean i know i don't they, they can't play at lsu right because i know the saints have talked about that before so they know. i think they talked about that last year so they could have more fans and like an outdoor stadium or something like that but i assume if uh new orleans itself is down then lsu is uh 
probably, probably not going the best place it. to be playing. Exactly. And yeah. they're they're an outdoor stadium too. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> some want me to talk about Bishop? Go Sycamore? ahead. Go ahead. Bishop Sycamore. If you're watching ESPN, uh, some high school football, I believe on Friday night, you could have been watching IMG blowing out Bishop Sycamore. Uh, and a lot of people, Bishop Sycamore is this quote unquote school from Ohio. And a lot of people from Ohio were on Twitter saying, I've never heard of this Bishop Sycamore playing against the legendary IMG Academy. Bishop Sycamore got killed. It was like 44 nothing or something like that. Mm. So then people did some research and it found that turns out Bishop Sycamore isn't even a real school. I don't even know how that happens. How is School, it's not even real. Uh, first off, even plays IMG. Second off, gets on ESPN. And, you know, they played them last year, too, if you didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. And another crazy thing, there's a couple crazy things. There's a lot of crazy things right here. here. <laughs> uh, so Bishop Sycamore, you know, football is a game where you play once a week. You know, you got your Friday game. Well, Bishop Sycamore also played on Wednesday. So they had two games within the span of three days. Their head coach, I think his name is Roy Johnson or Roy Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has an active arrest warrant. Uh, so he is a little questionable yeah. person. In Texas, where the team is actually based. So no one would know to look for them because they said they were from and Ohio. And then the last one, uh, most of these players aren't even, aren't even high school players. They're no. college dropouts uh, who are like at least three, four years out of high school so they're 22, 21-year-old men going up against 17-year-olds, yeah. and the 17-year-olds kicked on, d- destroyed them. So, I mean, kind of weird to see. I don't know how this happens. I think ESPN probably needs to do some more background checks before they just throw any game on ESPN. <laughs> and I assume this will never happen ever again because it's just so random. Like, I you would think, so. how the hell does this even get to, to this point? You know, but, uh, they, when they, they got to send in the rosters to ESPN, you know, for the announcers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they gave them like 12 names. And <laughs> one of them something. was real. The rest I fake saw names. one. It was, uh, yeah. there was one dude who was, uh, they were broadcasting some fifth, number 54 got hurt or something like that. And the ESPN announcers go, we don't actually have a number 54 <laughs> on the roster. So we don't know who that is. Uh, we'll let you know when we know, uh, I don't think we're ever going to know who that number 54 was. And I I think they found out because one, I think the quarterback was a real uh, high school prospect who was like getting looked at by Alabama and he kept his real name. That's how they found out. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a crazy story. Uh, Let's go on to the next thing now. Yep. NFL cuts and trades. All right. So obviously the big one today, it's Cam Newton. Uh, some mm-hmm. clashing with Belichick, some COVID issues, you know, a lack of uh, ability to throw the football downfield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not surprised here. You know, obviously this is, this is huge for Mac Jones. Uh, you want me yeah. to keep going? Uh, sure. On to the next one. This is all you for right now. All right. Well, the Eagles cut uh, fantasy football star Travis Fulgham from last year. Yeah. That's tough. You talked about the Raiders cutting John Brown. Or okay, these aren't all cuts. Some of these are waves. So some of these guys could end up on practice squads, but it is it's cut day, you know. So yeah, exactly. this is what we we think about it. Uh, Texans, Kiki Kute, the receiver. Hmm. Bengals veteran D lineman Mike Daniels. Chargers kicker Michael Badsley. 
Jets I did see something. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, real quick before you go on, yeah, yeah, Jets yeah. quarterback can say it emotionally. Uh, I saw that the Lions cut both their kickers. Yeah. So they don't have a kicker anymore, which I really don't know what they're going to do about that because Matt Prater is in Arizona, I yeah. believe now. And we have their practice squad kicker, Matt Amendola. So I, they got nobody at all. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. I need to bring Sebastian Janikowski out of retirement. Yeah, we'll see. But anyways, the Jets quarterback, I was so sad about. It's Josh Johnson, the veteran. Had a great uh, week three preseason, but I guess he's just not ready to go. We couldn't keep him. Uh, Bears, Riley Ridley, the brother of Calvin. Mm-hmm. Packers, Equiminius St. Brown, the receiver from Notre Dame, the big man. Washington football team, Peyton Barber. And the Saints, Devontae yeah. Freeman. Those are some notables I got for you. I think Donta Foreman also got cut to the former Texas running back. So yeah, that's it's a little notable, but uh, that is sad. Very sad day, I guess, in the, in the NFL, because a lot of players lose their NFL dreams. You know, the waivers day. are starting though. That's true. And uh, the funny thing about those waivers is that if the Jags plays a claim on 15 players, they get all 15. It's not mm-hmm. like it, Fantasy football league where like, oh, you get your top claim and then the next claim after that goes to the team after that and so on. The good thing is Jacksonville doesn't know what they're doing though. So that's true. Nick Saban, (laughs) not all those guys went to Ohio State, so you can't claim them all. (laughs) Nick Saban, head coach of the Jags. Nick Saban, uh (laughs) Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, my bad. Pretty much the same thing. Both were terrible in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on to one last note before we go back to uh, where's your head at? Is Malcolm Butler uh, a very big question mark about this because he was a pretty big signing for Arizona in the offseason. Uh, obviously, known for his biggest biggest play was in Arizona Stadium as a as a Patriot in the Super Bowl when he picked off Russell Wilson at the goal line, and he was placed on the reserve slash retired list today for the Cardinals, which is very interesting because it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, we heard that this might happen because of some personal reasons. Obviously, personal reasons weren't stated, uh, but very interesting thing. I assume it's some health condition or something like that or some maybe something vaccination-wise because that's been a, a very big uh, thing in the last few weeks as far as the NFL talk goes. So a legend, a Super Bowl legend, might never play again. You ready for the second half? Yeah. Great halftime. Let's, let's go. More football in the second half. That's all we're talking about here, except for our bets at the end. We're talking about two running backs that got hurt over this last week mm-hmm. and a half. It's Travis Etienne and J.K. Dobbins. First off, uh, I know this isn't the question that we have, but what do you think is the bigger loss? J.K. Dobbins to the Ravens or Etienne to the Jags? I'm glad you said that. I was going to start with Dobbins because, you know, last year he was just a rookie, but Mark Ingram was still in the shadows, you know, taking carry slowly, mm-hmm. slowly away from this young guy. And they let him walk. Uh, and so this was going to be – this was the year for Dobbins. And this mm-hmm. is, I guess, as from a team standpoint – you're not going to be able to ground and pound as much. You know, obviously Gus Edwards is a great guy, but uh, mm. you got to make some changes playbook wise, which you never want to have to do. Yeah. I I feel like it's a very weird situation because I feel like a lot of running backs can thrive in that Baltimore Raven system just because of their blocking scheme and their yeah. misdirection with the ability that Lamar Jackson has. 
but now we might see some more running from Lamar Jackson and maybe some more uh, like dependency on, hey, let's guard Lamar Jackson and make the other dude beat us because the other dude isn't the fastest player that's playing in the game right now on Lamar yeah. Jackson. Uh, but on the other side of this, Travis Etienne loses his rookie year. Uh, but the thing is, they do have James Robinson, who is a very good running back. But you lose your gadget guy for Jacksonville, yeah. and you lose the big year of experience and that comfortable target for uh, for Trevor Lawrence, not only in the run, running game but in the passing game because they just they wanted to use him in the slot. He's a guy that I wanted to pick in fantasy. Obviously, that can't happen anymore. Uh, but we'll see what happens next year with him. We'll see what the Jags do now as far as record wise. I don't think it's going to change too much as far as record wise because they're already going to be bad. But I mean, I th- I gotta say Dobbins is a bigger loss here. Mm. Yeah, and you know with ETN, uh, I think he touched on it. But the gadget guy stuff is cool. Mm. It, it would have been important, but you got Lewis Gishon out there doing the same exact thing. It's it's the safety blanket for Trevor Lawrence. It's the comfort mm. having the guy he's been playing with for three years right next to you, um, or in the slot next to you, not there anymore. Yeah, I think as a football fan, though, in general, I think the ETN loss is bigger just because we we all wanted to see what he could do. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. Dobbins is a great player, and he's had a very good chance to rush for a 1,000 yards this year. But ETN was that that dude that, hey, this guy can be legit in not only the rushing game, but in the passing game. He's got electric speed. He's super agile. And uh, now we have to wait for him for a year, so that kind of sucks. Uh, But want to do some Twitter reaction? Let's go. Let's go. Uh, we've been doing this last few weeks. I assume this is something that's going to continue uh, into the next few weeks as well. Not next few weeks. Uh, the next weeks as well due to the NFL season starting up. Uh, tweets are a little dry this week because it was week three in the preseason. A lot of the guys that are playing are not the best players on their team. But we have the first one from Bakari Sellers. Uh, he's a verified account on Twitter. It looks like he works for CNN. And he tweeted out, Kim Newton will be starting QB for Bishop Sycamore by Friday. <laughs> How do you feel about that one, Skyler? I think that's spot on. <laughs> I, I That was a joke one, but it yeah. is it's pretty funny. I saw that this morning and I started lot, uh, dying. So had to throw that in there. Let's see what Cam Newton does now, though, in general. you think he's going to be with another team this year? I think he will be. Um, maybe like a, a Chargers practice squad type thing. I was thinking maybe Houston or something like mm. that with uh, uh, the, the whole Deshaun Watson situation because yeah. they put Deshaun Watson on this. Uh, not I don't think think they even put him on lead. They just they're going to have him as a healthy and active every single yeah. game, which is very weird. Uh, they could have put him on like they they probably could have found a loophole way to put him on like the pup or something like that. So uh, there is that, uh, but no Deshaun Watson for at least the the start of the season. I assume for most of the year as well. Next up, Austin Eckler getting drafted ahead of Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, and Jonathan Taylor is a clear mistake. This is fantasy-wise, obviously. PPR, no. No. But in standard, I see where they're coming from. Um, because in standard leagues, you need you need volume. You can't get away with a guy mm-hmm. getting uh, seven catches in a game. That, that'll you know win your week. You know, a guy mm-hmm. like Jonathan Taylor, uh, who is an every down back plus the power back for the Colts, I think mm-hmm. should be more valuable in a standard league. 
Uh, I've seen a lot of TikToks, I mean, uh, talking about Austin Eckler and how he can win you your league or lose your league because a lot of people have him as, like, this super, super special guy. I mean, yeah, he's good in fantasy. This is PPR-wise, but he's, like, he's not, like, a top-tier RB1. Like, guys like Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor, and Saquon Barkley – I feel the thing. And I didn't even bring up the other two because it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I feel like what we forget about with Saquon, uh, because I've seen a lot of people saying stay away from him. Uh, Saquon's got a low tier uh, O line, and he's coming off an injury. You know who came off an injury? Adrian Uh, Peterson. Torn ACL, and then one MVP, Adrian Peterson. And who's the closest to Adrian Peterson that we've seen? In the last 10 years is Saquon Barkley. I mean, you could say Christian McCaffrey, but yeah, yeah. Saquon Barkley, he's he's the closest to him. I know he's playing on a shitty team. I know the, the Giants whole line sucks, but this dude is one of the best athletes in the NFL. I'd say just behind Aaron Donald and maybe another two guys or something like that. But he is legit and don't stay away from him. Uh, maybe don't take him at three, but he's definitely that guy. Uh, and he's going to be a leader for a lot of fantasy football teams. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Last week. This is from Bruce Nolan. He, uh, I think he's a, he has a podcast. He's a verified account on Twitter. Uh, he said, I was told Stefan Diggs made Josh Allen. Do you think Stefan Diggs is the reason why Josh Allen is near the place that he is today? I think he started the process for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, not on his own. I think it's ridiculous to say, but if he didn't have a guy like Stefan Diggs to throw to, uh, I don't think he would be where he is now. Yeah. I feel like, uh, Stefan Diggs gives you that like gap of, uh, uh, where you are able to be a little bit off, but with how good Stefan Diggs is that he will go adjust to a ball and make a play, but you can't ignore the, the strides that Josh Allen made within the last, uh, a year and a half in being able to make deep throws consistently and being able to make good reads consistently. Uh, So, I mean, you can't ignore what was going on with Josh Allen. And even though it helped, I don't think Stefan Diggs made Josh Allen into what he is today. Mm -hmm. The NFL top 100 list was made. Uh, We had the top 10 this past week. Uh, let's get to the top 10 here. I will say to you real quick and uh, let me know if you have any problems. I'm not saying hmm. uh, 11 through hundred though. Cause we already talked about that yeah. before on the pod. Uh, Josh Allen at number 10 up 67 spots from where he was at last year at 77. Uh, TJ Watt up seven spots from where he was at last year at 16. DeAndre Hopkins stays at eight, the same spot that he was at last year. Tom Brady uh, stays at seven. Uh, I think he was a few spots up from where he was last year. Devontae Adams is at six now. Travis Kelsey at five. Derrick Henry at four. Rodgers at three. Aaron Donald at two. And Mahomes at one. CMC left off of this list because of his injury. Uh, so we're not going to fully talk about CMC being not mm-hmm. on this list. But what, yeah. what are your thoughts on this and what would you change? So uh, obviously there's a a bunch of different guys who could be higher just based on their, their team value, you know, like a Fred Warner or Quentin Nelson or Darius Leonard. But I think mm-hmm. there's really only one guy who truly deserves to be in the top 10 here. I think it's miles Garrett. 
Mm, He's at uh, number 16 right now. I think he could easily be in the top eight here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very, very interesting list. I mean, obviously, you can't really go too wrong with the guys that they put that high. Yeah. uh, Because all those players are amazing. Uh, Kamara, I felt like you could have put in this list. Jalen Ramsey, you could have put in this list. Uh, but it's tough to to take certain guys out of that top 10 because they are so good. I feel like I maybe would have put Ramsey over TJ Watt. That's just personal opinion, though. Mm. And then I also, I definitely would have put Aaron Donald over Patrick Mahomes because uh, even with how good Mahomes is, uh, this is only making him the second best player in the league. Uh, and having Donald at the first, I mean, how could you not put Donald at first? Like Donald is perhaps the greatest defensive player of all time. You know, he after he's only played uh, what six six seasons. Aaron Donald. Yeah. Let me see real quick. But I know at this point, like he has like a legitimate chance to go yeah. down as the greatest defensive player of all time. He has played uh, seven seasons. Okay. Let's go through his resume real quick. So I, I just want to pro bowler. Okay, go six ahead time all yeah, pro. Yeah. Uh, on the 2010s team, even though he didn't start his career until 2014, uh, and a four-time defensive player of the year. I don't even know. I don't even think that's been done before. I don't know. But anyways, I was looking at a comparison between Aaron Donald and the top defensive lineman of all time, uh-huh. except for Bruce Smith. And he had a better resume than all of them. Like said, he just needs to get that. If he gets the 200 sacks, then he'll be the greatest, probably greatest NFL player of all time. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. And the thing is, is like you look at these numbers, he has 85 sacks in seven years. He had 13 and a half sacks, 12 and a half sacks last year. And people are like, oh, that's, that's a pretty low amount if you want to have him as the best player in the league. Thing is, uh, this guy is getting guarded by four people. Yeah. Like literally the whole line is going to, to him and he still gets through. It doesn't matter what you do. This guy's faster than some wide receivers in the league. And he's one of the strongest man. If not the strongest person in this league, his bodies guys can consistently. And if you're going against them, that's your, that's your main game plan. That's why mm-hmm. one reason why the Rams are so good is because the other players are also like, they were forgotten about and they have some good players on their defense. Cause you have to focus so much on Aaron Donald. And so I think it's criminal to not have him as that number one guy on that list. Yeah. Ready for our bets though. Let's go. Let's go. Last week. It was not good for us. It was very <laughs> not good for us. We missed five out of our six total bets. I had Otani and the Angels beating the Orioles on Wednesday, which seems is the most surefire bet of all time. Orioles on a 19-game losing streak. Otani and the Angels. <clears throat> I mean, the Angels weren't hot, but Otani was Otani, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. The Orioles won their first game in 19 games, and the one time that I pick against them is when they win. Skyler had a uh, Boston over Minnesota on Thursday. That was Chris Sale versus John Gant. And that was correct. He got uh, done. So clap it up for Skyler and Thank Brett, you. even though he's not here. Uh, we forgot to mention that, but we did. Brett's not here, by the way. Uh, Yankees beat the A's on Sunday night baseball. <laughs> that did not happen, which 
I think he even said that he kind of hoped that this wasn't going to happen, but yeah, uh, he just yeah, thought yeah. it was going to happen. So, I mean, I'll give it to him for this. Uh, maybe he jinxed the Yankees there. On to this week. My first bet is going to be the White Sox beating the Pittsburgh Pirates on Wednesday. That's Carlos Rodon's star versus Mitch Keller. Keller's been terrible this year. He's got like a six ERA. Uh, Rodon hasn't been or wasn't that good in his last start, but Carlos Rodon, he's a good chance to win Cy Young this year. And he and the White Sox are my pick for my layup this week. All right. I'm going to go with number 10, North Carolina to be minus five and a half at Virginia Tech. Uh, obviously, Sam Howell has lost all of his weapons mm-hmm. um, from last year through the draft and through, you know, CFL and whatever. <laughs> but uh, this Virginia Tech defense is has been elite for 10 plus years. Uh, but I still think Sam Howell's going to get the job done. Five and a half. This is my layup. Solid one. Uh, I think I agree with that one uh, as well. On to our bold predictions, and we did not get any of our bold predictions right, but that's why they're bold predictions. They're tough yep. to get right. Uh, I had the red sweep in the Marlins uh, for the second time in two weeks. That did not happen. Sandy Alcantara pitched amazing uh, against the Reds, and so did Jesus Cesardo. Uh, Skyler. Uh, had Minshew uh, starting for the Jags. And this in is week why one. I didn't uh, bring it up earlier in the show. Um, and Minshew, Minshew got traded to the uh, Eagles earlier in the week. So that's obviously not going to happen. They named uh, Trevor Lawrence the starter just yeah. before that trade happened. So uh, I think Minshew, Minshew should start for the Eagles, though. I do. Week one? I think you should. I mean, obviously, you know, it was a trade right before the season started. Yeah. So it's going to be rough. But I think he's the best quarterback in that room. Yeah, I, I feel like that's okay to say. Minshew has those times where he looks really good, but he also has times where he's just like, is this guy really Hey, really it's the it? NFC Especially. East. If you get any guy who has flashes of anything, you're going to have a chance. Yeah, if you if you go nine nine and eight, I guess now with yeah. a 17-game season, you have a good chance to win that division. We'll see how it goes, though. Uh, Brett had the White Sox sweeping the Cubs. Cubs won one game in that series, I think. Uh, that was a seven to nothing victory over Lance Lynn in his start against the Cubs. Uh, so that's wrong for Brett as well. <laughs> On to this week. Hopefully, we get both of these right. I have yeah. UCLA taking down number sixteen LSU. Uh, UCLA got the dub in their first game. One of the few teams have already played a game. Uh, wow. I mean, Chad Pinner just made some crazy catch that you're probably going to see on ESPN or something like that. Uh, so pardon my. Uh, Stop there. But UCLA, UCLA taking down number 16 LSU is my bold prediction. UCLA got the win last week, as I just said. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the college football. He just uh, does Zach enough Charbonnet. to not make a mistake, you know? Exactly. Uh, Charbonnet is a good running back now that he's off of Michigan, and I assume that he's going to do well against LSU. LSU hasn't been the same since they lost Joe Burrow two years ago. They don't have, uh, I mean, Jamar Chase didn't play last year, but they don't have Jamar Chase anymore. And so I think it's an LSU L for this one. All right. Well, my bold prediction, it's not as bold as you can get, but hey, they're still underdogs here. Um, Mm -hmm. I got number five, Georgia, taking down number three, Clemson in South Carolina. (sighs) You know, this seems to be, the message for the first week for most college teams, but Clemson has lost 
a lot. And they lost the best player in the nation, Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Georgia's defensive line, Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith, is just going to have a field day with DJ Ungalele or Uwe Ungalele, however he wants to pronounce it. Um, so I'm taking Georgia. I'm taking the dogs. I feel like this college football year, there was more players lost than like previous years. It just feels like the biggest names. Well, a lot of guys uh, opted college football out too. last year were, were guys that were like the main guys for like the last three, four years. And now this year, it feels like there's a whole like new generation in college football, even though there's it's, a lot of freshmen. Really not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bryce Young. I mean, Bryce Young and Alugalele aren't freshmen, but they're sophomores, young sophomores yeah. that are going to play a lot. Obviously, I'm sure we'll, everyone will know their names after a couple of weeks. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's going to do it for episode 51. It's been yeah. a fun one. Uh, a lot of football next week, though. Make sure you tune in next week. Make it's sure you tune in next week. In-depth NFL preview. There we go. It, all caps on everything. It's gonna yeah. be crazy. Uh, we're gonna go over the divisions. We're gonna go over awards. Uh, awards. We're gonna go over who wins the Super Bowl. Everything's gonna be there. It's gonna be full, in-depth NFL season preview. Mm-hmm. It's been episode fifty-one. Yep, and we'll be back with. Some ranked teams losing in week one of the college football season, too. Hopefully. That's true. Uh, before we leave, uh, mm-hmm. let's plug the social medias. Yeah. Twitter, at Immaculate Sports. Instagram, mm-hmm. also at Immaculate Sports. YouTube and TikTok, Immaculate. at Immaculate Sports. Sports. And go check out the TikTok now. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday night. Go Jets. Deuces.